I'm planning that we should do an in-depth series on the book of Ephesians. It's an amazing book, and I really want to go into it in a very um, um, organized way, but a way that really allows us to grasp hold of what the message of the book is. And so I'm doing a lot of planning, but there's a lot of preparation to do, and I, I was hoping I would be ready to start today, but I'm not. There's more work to be done before we even start. So I was praying about what to preach on today. And as I was praying, I had this experience of the loving presence of Jesus just sweep over me, something that happens from time to time in my life, like physically in my body, like this, oh, Jesus, he's right here with me. Very, very powerful. And the thought came to my mind that I should preach on Jesus' presence. And then I, I said, no, that's far too personal. I can't talk about this. This is, this is my own personal stuff with God. I can't preach on this. Plus, I don't have a neat, organized set of answers that I can give you on this. But the, the feeling was there very strongly that Jesus once wanted me to preach on this. And the Bible does speak of this experience. The Bible speaks of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In other words, beyond logic. And Jesus' words, that my joy may be in you and that my, your joy may be full. So I'm very reluctant, but I feel Jesus compelling me to preach on this today. And I'm reluctant because it seems almost mystical, and I like to be organized and logical. Um, but here goes. So I'm going to speak on um, my goal today that all of us would regularly experience overwhelming joy from Jesus' presence. Do you want that? Does that sound good? Okay. So I'm going to do three steps. Uh, first, I want to talk about two passages of Scripture that clearly teach this experience. And then I'd like to ask how can we have this experience and have some practical thoughts and suggestions coming out of this. So here are the two main passages I want to build my message on today. The first is in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I just want to say that um, the translation here, I think, is better than the one that someone says, be anxious for nothing, because anxiety isn't something we can control. Um, worry is. And so telling somebody, oh, don't be anxious, that can be very frustrating to, to hear that um, because you haven't, you're not in control of it. But what, the, what the, the, the Greek means, the Greek isn't telling you that. The Greek is telling you not to worry. Do not worry about anything. Um, don't don't um, be stressed about it. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, and, sorry, and it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
What does it mean to surpass all understanding? Can you tell me? You can't comprehend it. You something you can't comprehend. Yep. Okay. You can't explain it. Yep. What does surpass say? What does that word mean to you? Hmm? Exceed. Yes. Surpass means higher than. It means greater than. Um, and I would say, actually, there's a supernatural dimension to this. Like, it's not something you can explain scientifically, but it's go- it goes into a supernatural dimension. So uh, it's a level of experience. Um, wow. So somebody, they haven't, they say, wow, that was amazing. That was quite something. That was beyond my understanding that that happened to me. Um, so this is the Philippians passage. I want to build this on today. The other passage comes in John 15. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be completely full. Now, that word there, completely full, the Greek is um, plerao, which means um, it's translated differently. Some say complete, some say um, full, different words. But plerao really means, let me give you, suppose you went to Tim Hortons and you asked, you've got a cup of coffee, and they'd only filled it about like, that much from the top and you say I want a full cup please and they fill it right up to the very very top that's plerato okay right to the very brim there's no there's no gap Asha's smiling because she served at Tim Hortons (laughs) do customers complain like that they do okay then that was just a guess but there you go Um, so plerato means your joy is like this is full like uh, I put completely full there as a, so, you know, there's no, you don't have any more space for it. It's like as full as you can possibly be with joy. Um, so this is the John 15 passage. Uh, to, I would, so I maybe a way of saying it is top right up to the brim. Um, so these are my two passages. And so I've just very briefly gone through them because I want to spend some time now in thinking about them and we're going to look at how we can have this experience from those two passages to start with. And uh, so last time I didn't, I I cheated a bit because I didn't show you all the verses and if you read the whole context, it gives you some clues about how to get there into that experience. So let's look at the John passage we just looked at, and we're going to read from a bit earlier, and we're going to read uh, the verse that I skipped out last time. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, when Jesus, in John 15, when Jesus took my commands, he's talking, the context is to love one another. The command, the new commandment that you love one another, just as I've loved you, you love one another. Verse 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
So can you tell me how Jesus is saying we access this joy in verse 11? How do we access it? Loving one another. Okay, how does that work then? Well, I'm going to suggest to you that there's a song between the Father and the Son. And there's this there's going on between them. And we tune into that song when we love one another. Because that is, it's the love between the Father and the Son, and, and the Father wants the Son to love, and the love, and this going on. Jesus says, if you start behaving in that way, you'll actually tune into this, and you'll be with us, you'll join us in this song of love. And so um, we'll resonate with that joy. And so the act of stepping into love, loving another person, loving others, just this, we get this download then of resonation of love with God. So I want to ask you, would this be a selfish reason to love other people? Like, I'm, I'm going to love Melinda, not because I like Melinda, because I think I'm, I'm going to feel good if I do it. No, that's not true. I do like Melinda. But, <laughs> but, but if, what, what would, you, what, would that be a selfish thing to do? Should I do that? I really don't care about other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them just in order to get these good feelings. It's not an either-or situation here. It's a both-and. And unless you actually really, like, just hate the other person, it's not, like, this is, it's actually going to help you love them more if you're doing this. So I don't think we should get in our position, get a, ourselves in a position where we're questioning our motives and saying, are you really loving that person or just, are you just wanting to feel good and to feel the joy of Jesus come on you? No, that's a false position to get into. Don't get distracted by that. Allow this to motivate you. Jesus wanted to motivate us. So be motivated by loving other people, but also be motivated by this is going to allow me to access these feelings of joy. As we serve him, as we step into, and I wouldn't say it's exclusively loving him, it's like loving others, it's, he says his commands, and I think it's just walking in obedience to him, doing what he wants us to do. This brings uh, an access to this love. So, uh, so this is my first point in how to get this love, how to have this experience. Uh, love one another as I have loved you. That's number one. If you want this experience of Jesus' love, felt love in you. Okay, so what about the Philippians passage? So this is what we looked at last time, these four verses, and um, um, particularly verse 7, peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, Then, But then I... There are some um, similarities here. Do you notice that verse 5, let your graciousness be known to everyone. That's, I think, a graciousness in terms of being loving. And what verse 6 seems to be is a choice to trust. Uh, It's very similar to what I was was preaching about um, two or three weeks ago when I preached on rest when we choose to rest in him, the idea of Sabbath being the idea of rest. And this is a choice. And um, my ex- in my experience, um, as I was preparing this and I was going through this battle, no, I don't want to preach. How can I preach on this? And like, okay, Jesus, if you want me to preach on this, I'm going to give this job to you. 
And like, I realized that as I gave this job to him, as I like said, like, you have to give me what I need to prepare for this. This just wave of joy came over me. And it was the joy of resting on him, that joy of giving it to him, giving my worry to him, um, just letting him have it. And it was like, ah, I see you want me to trust you. Okay, that's what it's about. Here you are, God. Wow, that is so joyful. So that is my second step. The first step was loving one another. The second one is trusting God with your worries right now, taking a step of faith. And that seems to be very clearly here in the verse. Very, very clearly, verse 6 and verse 7 are linked together because there's an and at the beginning of verse 7, which says, do this and this. Does this make sense? Are you convinced by this? We don't look at verses in isolation, in a vacuum. We look at them in the context. And I also want to look at what follows. The next verse is on from this, and that's very interesting. Look at verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell in these things. Do what you've learned and receive and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And so um, what I'm suggesting here is not going down a rabbit hole of negative thinking. I do know, I do this sometimes, I'm sure you do it as well, but you kind of get into a, like, you're angry about something and then it goes into this and like, it sort of builds up. And not being in that space in your mind. Because he says, don't, don't create that kind of space, don't allow yourself to be drawn in. That is going to take away this peace. What you need to do is the opposite to that. You need to think about good things. You need to think about positive things. Lovely, the pure, um, and uh, how lovely Jesus is, like how wonderful he is, what he's doing, um, the good things. And so that's my third step. Start thinking about good things, not going down a rabbit hole of bad stuff and negative thoughts. So coming out of that, that the, the second passage then, I have this step, and these two steps rather, and um, I'm going to put them all up on the slide together in, in, in a minute. Um, so that really is uh, my first two points, looking at the two passages and asking how we can have the, the experience from those passages. But um, I, I want to move on to some practical thoughts and some suggestions. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you might be thinking, well, don't all religions have something like this in them? Don't they all have some sort of mystical experience or something that goes on? I want to say nothing like this at all. And it's something that I've investigated, something I've looked at. Nothing like this at all. There are mystical experiences, but nothing like this. So Buddhism, for example, Buddhism, there's an experience which they call um, ego dissolution. That means your boundaries of who you are get dissolved and you just become one with the universe and you don't think of an I and not I. You think of just everything, I'm one with the universe. 
And this kind of experience, which can get, you can get into through various practices and meditation to get into, is really the very opposite of this. Because in this experience, it's very much Jesus and me. Like, he is here and he's, he's with me. And it's a personal, two people relating to one another in a very person-to-person way. And so I would say it's a very, it's, it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to the Buddhist type experience. Um, there are also um, out of the body experiences that many religions have. And um, sometimes it's done through, through drugs, um, sometimes through sensory dep- deprivation, sometimes just through breathing exercises or getting into some sort of hypnotic state. And um, most religions have something like this that you can get into, which is like an out-of-the-body experience, which is not this at all. There's nothing hypnotic about what I'm talking about. It's like you're fully present, like you're fully... In fact, you can be doing something while the experience is going on. I can be writing my sermon and the experience is there. It's not something that's in any way separate from real life like these experiences and there's lots of um, interest nowadays now that um, that hallucinogenic drugs have been allowed again for research purposes people are researching them and discovering all kinds of weird things and uh, I don't know I'm talking but not talking about those today except to say this is not that this is not that at all this is a real person connecting with you as a real person and bring you real joy. And then, of course, one other thing in other religions sometimes is real evil spirits. Like it really is a genuine um, person who you're connecting with and it's a very evil person. And yeah, that's in some ways that's closer than the other stuff because it's connected with an evil person rather than someone good. And so that's definitely there. Um, so what I would say if you're somebody who's interested in this sort of stuff but you're not sure about Christianity I would say come to Jesus because he is unique all he asks from you is that you give him everything that's all he's asking (laughs) give him everything he says "Give give, give me your life and I will give it back to you ten times more and um he 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 wants everything but he's worth it he's worth it So um, I'm going to now take you through some other scriptures. I've given you these two foundational scriptures, but there are other places that also feed into this, that link to it. And uh, so we were previously looking at this passage in John 15, and I want to go back to John 14 and look at some verses. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. So he then goes on to say how he's going to send his presence to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So these words were before Pentecost, before the Spirit was poured out. And he's promising the Spirit is going to come. And we're going to see that what I've been talking about today, this presence of God, is actually through the Spirit, is mediated through him. So he'll send us his presence through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here's continuing to read. Um, 
verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. A little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Very similar words to what we had in um, chapter 3. Um, uh, sorry, chapter 5, John 15. But here, this is in the context of the promise of the Spirit. And so once again, the con- it's talking about loving one another. And um, uh, one of the things about the Trinity the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, is each of them is lifting up the other ones. They're all like Jesus is lifting the Father up and promising the Spirit, and and the Father's lifting Jesus up. And the Spirit is amazing because he kind of just wants to lift the others up. He doesn't want to be on a pedestal. He wants to be the channel of Jesus' love. And so what he, he is, the Spirit is like a pipe that comes, connects us, and what he brings to us is the love of Jesus. So the presence of Jesus is through the Spirit. They are the same thing. We are experiencing him through the Spirit. And so um, there's a, and we can see this in some other places, Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we look at the gifts of the Spirit in Galatians, fruit of the Spirit, rather, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So my my next step of what we can do to, to, to experience this peace, this presence of Jesus, is to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways of doing that, which we'll see in Ephesians, is in community with God's people. And um, just because God's community coming together and being a community filled with, that's filled with the Spirit, can he, can, we can receive more of the Spirit through that. So um, I'm going to sum up now, and I'm going to give you these four points again, four steps. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the first step to receiving this experience. Love others. The second one was trust God with your worries right now, taking a step of faith. Put your worries on him. Give him your worries. The third one from these passages is start thinking about good things, not going down a rabbit hole of bad stuff, not going down these negative thoughts. And the fourth one is be continually filled with the Spirit through the community of God's people. And part of that is prayer, just asking people to be praying for you to be receiving more of the Spirit. So um, they, they're, um, one other thing, there seems to be a special impartation of joy when there is persecution. And this is promised in some, some passages we'll look at, but it seems to be the experience for the last 2,000 years of the church. So 1 Peter says, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief 
in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which through though perishable but is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here we have it. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Now, I'm not suggesting we deliberately seek persecution in order to get this joy. I'm not. But I want to tell you, don't be afraid of persecution. Because not only is this this scripture and other scriptures, it's the testimony of the church for 2,000 years that you, you'll be singing in prison like Paul was, remember? Singing in prison because they had this joy. Don't be afraid of being persecuted. Don't be afraid if they put you in prison, if they put you to death. You, you have this extraordinary hidden resource of joy that will well up in you. I'm not putting this as a step though because I don't want you deliberately getting your, becoming obnoxious to get persecuted so you'll get this step. So um, I, we've got four steps I've been through, and I'm going to suggest some more from my own experience and Christians through the ages. And we'll finish with this list. So I, if I had another three, that would make seven, and seven would be a wonderful number. But I had more than three. I've got five more, and that makes nine. And nine... If it was 10, it would be kind of a neater list. But no, I've got nine. I mustn't constrain my list to make something that feels like a good number. So I've got nine things. So my next one is sing to Jesus. Sing to Jesus. And uh, here's one of the songs that I sing. Um, my Jesus, I love you. I knew you were mine. For you, all the pleasures of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Saviour art thou, if ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. I love you because you have first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love you for wearing the thorns on your brow, if ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. I love you in life, I will love you in death, and praise you as long as you lend me my breath. And say with death's, death's hand lying cold on my brow, if ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore you in heaven so bright. And sing with a glittering crown on my brow, if ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. Now, what I, so this is my song that I sing to him. This is not the same as putting worship music on. It's not. It's totally different. It's you and him, not somebody else singing. Don't put worship music on. Get a song and sing it to him. It doesn't matter if you're not that tuneful. He's not going to mind. Sing it to him. I mean, uh, if, you're, if you, you want to... to um, uh, 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 if you want to um, show him your love and just uh, have this one-on-one -on -one experience, choose something that's actually I, you. Like, Jesus, I'm seeing this to you. Not, um, I love Jesus in the second, in the third person, but Jesus, I love you. So this is why I like this song, because it's addressed to him. So you, this works for me. I'm just suggesting it might not work for you, but this works for me. You might find a psalm 
Um, you can sing. There's something about singing that works in a special way. And uh, so I've got a few others now. Um, uh, the four steps we had earlier. Sing to Jesus. Read scripture aloud. Now this is very similar to what I said. It just doesn't involve the, the singing. But we went through a lot of scriptures last week. And just reading those aloud, reading them aloud does something different because your body resonates differently when you're reading it aloud and involves you emotionally to a greater extent. So some of the Psalms, uh, you, which are like addressed to Jesus or even the ones that aren't addressed directly to him, just read them aloud and allow that to come in. That's very powerful. And uh, conversational prayer. So when you're just having a conversation with Jesus in your mind, now I've put in brackets there, is this really Jesus or is it my thoughts? And, you know, this can pop in. Am I really praying to you? Is this just my thoughts? Don't worry about that. Don't get sidetracked. As long as you're not thinking, oh, um, Jesus said this to me. It, I mean, it may be partly your... Don't worry about that. Just speak to Jesus in your thoughts and, and have a conversation with him. And... Um, his, it's something which, um, in my experience, is important, vital, I would say. In, it's this kind of prayer, which is like a conversational prayer in this experience. So, um, the, sec the second to last, really, really important, you actually have to create some space, some space in time, like I'm going to actually spend some time now doing this and place so I'm actually going to just move away from some some distraction here and spend some time and I just want to engage with Jesus presence just like you would with a person that you you know you're just like it's rude to be on your smartphone when you're when you're talking to somebody it's the same kind of thing you know you just get off the distractions and talk to him and uh, the last one one of the most important um, but one of the hardest to explain is just stop and notice. So what do I mean by that? So notice, what do I feel right now? Can I feel Jesus right now? Is he here? He says he's here. He says he's with me. Can I sense him here? Can I feel him in me? Because he says, I'll be in you. Can I feel Jesus in me? Just stop and notice that. And this is almost the most important of them all because it, if we do all the others and Jesus is present and you don't actually bother to notice then you've not, nothing has happened but once you start noticing my experiences then that's when you begin to recognize and begin to feel him and uh, now <clears throat> I want to have a, add a caveat to this before I close is I feel putting steps down here is, a, is totally the wrong thing to do because it's making it out that you can get there by steps, and you can't. This is the gift of God. This is him. He is sovereign. He can decide you can do none of these steps, and you can, you can, get, you can get there. You, um, so just take these, these steps with a grain of salt. Um, they are suggestions to you, but it is God's decision. It's God's will. It comes out of his, his will, and uh, it's a personal relationship we're, we're talking about here. And uh, so I want to um, just to uh, 
I think what I'm going to do, I don't have it on the slide, but I'm going to go back and end up just by reading the verses that we had. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't do the steps. What I'm saying is sometimes God will do it without the steps. Sometimes. that God, God, is, God can do this like in the middle of, 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 of nothing and he can just come in and, and history is full of God doing this. But when we look at the stories of Christians for 2,000 years, we find that the steps are actually things that are things that they practice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace which is just over-the-top amazing will come into your hearts and minds. And then John, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be completely full, right up to the brim, totally full. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these amazing verses you've given us. Lord, I pray that each of us will experience more of your presence, more of your joy, more of your peace. It may be uh, a central part of our walk with you. Fill us with joy, we pray, Lord. Fill us with your presence, we ask in the name of Jesus.